morning. Kavanaugh, thank you for coming. Will you stand with us? Let's worship together this morning. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Cavanaugh Church. We're so glad you're here. Uh, thank you for being in God's house today. So I won't divert too long, but I had to show you my face mask, okay? So Dave, who is that? Oh, that's you, baby, right there. Brent, who we got right here? 
We get to hogs, yeah, right there. How about that? What is that? House divided. Two-faced, or I, yeah. No, no, some, Mrs. Hammondtree from First Service made this for me, so when I'm around Arkansas people, all right, and then when I'm around my Okies, okay, I love it. Hey, but listen, I'm, now y'all getting fired up. I'm hearing some talk back here. Yeah, we, hey, we get fired up, don't we, when it comes to our teams, our sports, right? Or maybe, you know, we go to a concert and we, maybe we, can, we can sing it out. We get, fired, we get noisy, right? We get noisy about a lot of stuff. Sometimes we can get noisy about the wrong things even. The world is a noisy place. And, man, people can get fired up about a lot of different things. But today, guys, we're here to celebrate salvation. So we want to make noise today about Jesus, okay? A joyful noise. So we're going to, in just a minute, we're going to keep singing. We're going to worship him, and we're going to pour praise out in him. So, man, lift up your voices. Get a little loud for Jesus. Get a little excited for Jesus. When Brother Will preaches today, would you mind some amens? Or, no, some hallelujah. He won't mind a bit, so get a little noisy, okay? Let the Lord know you're here. Let him know you mean business. Let him know you're ready to celebrate the gift of salvation in him. All right? Would you stand up with me? We're going to go to the Lord in prayer at this time. God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be here. We are so grateful for who you are. We are so grateful for the gift of salvation. So today, Lord, we do want to celebrate. We do want to praise you. We do want to lift our voices up to you, Lord. Uh, God, so help us as, as we go into this time that, uh, that our praise team has put so much preparation into. Uh, Lord, help us to just to worship you wholeheartedly. And as Brother Will then brings the word that you've given him, God, help us to be attentive to that, in tune to your Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, it's okay if we say amen to you and to your word as you speak into our lives. And Lord, ultimately help us to, to just listen to you and to obey you and to live for you. God, we love you. Today is a day of celebration. We praise you. and We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? You're there. Keep singing. We appreciate you. He 
I love that line that says, for it is well, I'm walking in freedom. But I think sometimes, like you mentioned this morning, Brother Jason, that we forget that we can do that. Um, and we don't look at God first for the little things in our lives. Um, and we end up searching for our worth and our wellness in things of this world, whether it's relationships or possessions or personal accomplishments or service or maybe not even bad things, but those are not the things that are going to fill us up. Only God can do that. Um, so let this song be a reminder for you this morning to cast all of your cares on him, for he cares for you. Um, and let us cry out together this morning.
from our hearts, from our lips this morning for who you are. Pray this in Jesus' name. Good to see you this morning. Hope everybody's doing good. Welcome to those of you uh, in the building and those of you watching online. Uh, we're glad that you're spending this day with us. Welcome to January 17th, 2021, or December 48th, 2020. However, you know, however you're seeing it. Uh, when when we started 2020, we had absolutely no idea what was going to happen this past year, did we? And uh, now we're starting a new year, 2021, and guess what? We have no idea what's going to happen this year as well. There are 348 days left in 2021, all right? And you and I have no idea what these next 348 days will bring us. Uh, and, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer this morning, all right? But, but there's very little we can count on, okay? You, you really can't count on this world being a better place in 348 days from now, okay? You cannot count on there being world peace at the end of 2021. Hmm? You, you really cannot count on um, our economy because I really don't know what's going to happen to you. Nor can you count on what our politicians are saying. Okay? Nor can you count on the fact that any of your loved ones are even going to be here at the end of 2021. Now, that, that's pretty depressing, is it not? I mean, there's very few things we can count on. But I don't want to dwell on that. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer today, all right? Let's don't do that. Let's don't be pessimistic. Let's be optimistic. There are a lot of things we cannot count on, but there is one thing we can count on. And the one thing you can count on is this. The God of the Bible, the God that we serve, is sitting on the throne of the universe. Okay, Get fired up. Let's get some noise about that. And that God that's on the throne of the universe is in control. God is in control. No matter what happens in our world, God is in control. How do I know that? Well, the Bible tells me that. I'm just going to read a couple of passages as we get going this morning. One in the Old Testament, the other in the New. Here's the Old Testament passage, 1 Chronicles 29, 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. That's who God is. Our God is a great God. He has all the power he needs. Glory abounds around him. He has already won the victory, and our God is majestic. Come on. Amen. Fantastic. Now, here's the phrase you need to catch. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Everything that we see and even the things we cannot see, they belong to God. They're, they're God's. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all of it. So this verse means our God is on the throne and our God is in control. How does that compare with the New Testament? Colossians chapter 1. Paul says, for by him, that is Jesus... For by Jesus all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Are you grasping what Paul is saying? He not only made everything, he holds everything in the palm of his hand. It revolves around him. He controls it. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, 
the church. He's not only the creator of the world, he's the creator of his church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So again, the New Testament is confirming the Old Testament. Our God sits on the throne of the universe, amen, and our God is in control. What this is talking about is the sovereignty of God. It means that God is the absolute authority in life. He's the ultimate ruler. He is in charge and he is in control of everything. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think it means this. God is in control of nature. Both of these passages tell us that he made everything that is both seen and unseen. He created it all. Genesis tells us he spoke it and it came into existence. That is, God created ex nihilo. He made something out of nothing. You can't do that. Only God can do that. He created nature. He sustains nature. Colossians says it revolves around him. And he can overrule nature. And when he overrules nature, we call that a miracle. Oh, yeah, God can do that too, all right? So he not only controls nature, he controls history. Did you know that we are moving towards a climax? Life is not circular. Life is not something that just repeats itself over and over. Life is actually linear. History is moving toward a grand climax, a great event. What is that great event that we're moving towards? It is the day that Jesus Christ comes back. And he will, he will burst open the eastern sky. He will descend from heaven. He will judge the world. And at that day, eternity begins. History is his story. Now, I'm going to say a whole bunch of things today that you're going to have to think about, all right? But think about the word history and how it's spelled. Really, history is his story. We're not going through just random acts of events that happen in life. There is a grand design because there is a grand master. There is a purpose. There is a plan. And you need to understand God is not only in control of nature, God is in control of history. And above all that, God is in charge of your life. God is in control of your life. You may not recognize it, but you know what? There are many areas of your life that you had absolutely no choice in. Now, a lot of people live like they are large and in charge. You know what? You're really not. You, you really stop and start thinking about it. There are a lot of things about you that you had no control over whatsoever. You didn't choose where you were going to be born. You didn't choose when you were going to be born. You didn't choose who you were going to be born to. You didn't choose your nationality. You didn't choose your basic makeup. And let's just end the argument that's going on in our world today. You did not choose your gender. You didn't choose your talents. You didn't choose your abilities, your giftedness. You didn't even choose your personality. You didn't choose any of those things. As a matter of fact, every gene that is in your body was chosen for you, and God is the one who chose it. Because God wants you to be you. Why? He's in control. So you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, if God is in complete control, do I have any choice at all? I mean, do I have any say in the decisions of my life? Of course you do. You do have the freedom to choose. And you know what? I told the first service people, I think that is the second greatest gift God has given to mankind. The first greatest gift is his son, Jesus Christ. But the second greatest gift he's given us is the ability to choose. You have a free will. That's a pretty good phrase, isn't it? Free will. You slap Baptist on it, and that's, that's who we are. Free will. God didn't make us as robots. God gave us the freedom to choose. In life, God gives you freedom to choose the way you want to live, the way you want to act, but once you make those decisions, you are no longer free. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, you're free to make your decisions. You are not free to choose the consequences. 
God says, here's the deal. You can choose anything you want to choose. You can choose how you want to live. But however you choose to live, here are the consequences. You reap what you sow. So if, if, if you're sowing a good life, that's what you're going to reap. If you're sowing bad things in your life, that is exactly what you're going to reap as well. God says you choose plan A, what's behind curtain number A, that's fine, but you're going to have to live with the consequences of it. And he can do that because he's in control. Now, for an unbeliever, that might be a little alarming. For, for someone who doesn't have faith in God and they don't believe and know that God is in control, that can be frightening. But you know what? For those of us who are believers, that is pretty comforting. It's comforting to know that God is in control when our world is spinning out of control. It's comforting to have that stability in our life. And as we face the next 348 days, when you really don't know what in the world is going to happen, we do know that God is in control. And that can bring us a great deal of comfort, can it? Specifically, there are three things that you need to remember about God being in control. God is in control of your plans. God is in control of your problems. And God is in control of your prayer life. So let's talk about these three things. Number one, because God is in control, my plans have a limit. Have, have you ever heard somebody say, the sky's the limit? It sounds great, doesn't it? It's pretty motivating, but it's not accurate. It's, it's not completely true. Because God is the limit. God sets parameters. God sets the limits. And you may plan, and I'm going to say in just a moment, you need to be planning your life. You need to have goals and objectives. You need to have a, a game plan for life. But you know what? God's plan supersedes your plan. Again, how do I know that? A couple of verses you need to mark down from the book of Proverbs. The first one is Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in a man's heart. So you know what? It's, it's right to have plans. It's biblical to have plans. I hope you have some Pretty good plans for your life. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You can have your plans, but guess what? God's plan is always going to supersede your plan. Well, that's not fair. That's just the way it is. I mean, I can't, I don't, sorry, it's just it's the way God made it. A second verse that you need to understand is Proverbs 16, 9. I love this one. We can make our plans, and we ought to, but the Lord determines our steps. Again, his plans supersede our plans. Okay, so let me draw this together here. Would you agree that things don't always go as you plan them to go? Let's get practical here. They, they don't. Would you agree that God often has a better idea and that he often changes our plans and that at best, our plans are tentative. Okay? How many of you, and I want to see your hand, how many of you have ever had God change your plans? Okay? And I hope you raised your hand, because if you didn't, that means you're not living right now. Right? Sure. I mean, think of it, and I kind of got in trouble when I said this first service, but I'm going to say it again because I believe it. How many of y'all really ended up marrying the first person you thought you were going to marry? Angie said that, that really causes stress in some people's lives. Well, you know what, baby? I'm glad you didn't marry that guy. <laughs> Are you with me? The, the under, the, there, there have been numerous times in my life that God has changed my plans. And thank you, Lord, because his plan is always better than my plan. My plans have a limit to them. Now, I am not saying that you should not set goals. And I am not saying that you shouldn't make plans for your life. Because that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are to have goals, that we are to set plans. And it is a proven fact that people who succeed in life are people who are driven. They have goals and they have a life plan set out. If you don't have goals or a life plan, you know what? You're probably not going to accomplish much. So you need to have plans. You need to have goals. But the Bible warns 
Don't be presumptuous and don't say, well, I know exactly what I'm going to do and my plan will never change. Because you, you don't really know what's going to happen. And you really don't have control over what's going to happen, do you? Jesus told a story about this. Let me read it from the Bible. It's found in the Gospel of Luke. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain man gilded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build greater barns, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now Jesus is really teaching two things here and they go together. Number one, it is foolish to make plans and not include God in your plans. That's exactly what this man did. He was being self-sufficient. He was only looking out for himself, not including God or anyone else in his plans. And he was trusting in himself and the things of this world to satisfy his soul. And Jesus is saying it, it doesn't work that way. Because nothing in this world can satisfy you except me. So here's the deal. Make your plans, but the key is you need to be cooperating with God. I said it a few weeks ago, whenever you make your plan at the beginning of the day, that is great, but you need to acknowledge God may have something different for you that day. And you need to say, Lord, your will be done. Lord, your will is first. You know, whatever you want, Lord, that is exactly what I do. And you pray about your plans. Planning without prayer is presumptuous. You ought to say, Lord... What do you want me to do? One of the prayers that I have prayed probably more than any other prayer in the past 23 and a half years that I have been at Kavanaugh is simply this, and I'm always praying it. God, what's the next step? What's the next step? And you know what? Thinking about it, and I'm going to get, look, look at me. Thinking about it. Thinking about it. That ain't a bad prayer to pray at the beginning of 21, 2021. Lord, what's the next step? Lord, what's the next step in my life? Lord, what, what is the next step in my job, my business? What's the next step in the ministry you want me to have? What's the next step with my family? What's the next step in this relationship? Lord, what's the next step in my finances? Lord, what's, what is the next step? What is it that you want me to do next, Lord? Instead of praying, God bless what I'm doing, you really are to stop praying, God Help me to do what you're blessing. Think about it. Don't be asking God to bless what you, you pray. Lord, whatever it is you're blessing, I want to be a part of that. Lead me in that direction. This means that my plans have a limit, and I need to acknowledge God's plan in my life. Number two, because God is in control... My problems have a purpose. My problems have a purpose. How many of you right now has at least one problem in your life that you did? At least one. Okay. You know what? That problem that you're facing has a purpose in your life. And, and it's good news. It's good news that my problem has a purpose. Life is not a series of random events with no meaning, accidents that just happen to us day by day. Life has a meaning. Life has a purpose. And if you're a believer, there is nothing that comes into the life of a believer without the Heavenly Father's permission. Think about that. Everything that happens in your life, whether it's good or whether it's bad, is Father-filtered. And it cannot come into your life without God's permission. So your problems, no matter what they are, have a purpose. We're having a problem with that, aren't we? 
because we don't like problems. I'll talk more about this here in a moment, but you know what? Problems are good for us because it's through problems and through struggles that we grow and we become more like God. Because God says that my problems have a purpose, I can trust God as I'm facing these problems. Because no matter what happens this next year, God has a purpose behind it. And this is not just stuff I'm making up. It's in the Bible. There is story after story of, of this happening in the, the real life of real people. I'm thinking of an Old Testament story, Joseph in the Old Testament. Remember what Joseph said to his brothers? You meant all of this for bad. You meant it for evil, but God used it for good. Remember that? Remember his story? His brothers hated him because he was a dreamer. He, he had a plan for his life, and, and apparently they didn't have any kind of plan, and they hated him because he had a plan. And so they mistreated him, and they cheated him, and they abused him. They threw him into a pit. Then he, they sold him. They sold their own brother into slavery in Egypt. And when Joseph was down in Egypt, his problems didn't cease. They intensified. He was accused falsely of rape, and he was thrown into prison. Now, can I say this? Joseph did not deserve any of this. Sometimes we deserve the consequences of, of the messes we make, but he didn't deserve any of this. And just looking at it, we're thinking, that poor Joseph, man, poor guy, That's a, he got a bum deal there. You know what? What we can't see, or what he couldn't see, is the way God was working behind the scenes. God was maneuvering. God, God was doing what God does. Why? Because God is on the throne of the universe and God is in control. Even when you can't see it, God is in control. And God eventually turned everything around and he used Joseph and all of these bad problems to save the Egyptians and to save his own family. And then at the end, Joseph said to his brothers that mistreated him, you meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. Amen. So if I know God's in control, and my plans have a limit, and my problems have a purpose, what is my response to that? Well, I, I think the key is found in 2 Corinthians. So let me read this passage to you. Paul says, therefore we do not lose heart. If we don't get down, we don't get depressed, we don't worry about it, we keep hope. We don't lose heart. Even in the troubles that we have, we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. Isn't that the truth? And again, I tell the first service people, when... Brent, when you're young, oh, you talked about how fast you were and how strong you were and all the things you could do. There, there is a certain point in time when all of that changes and you stop bragging about all the great accomplishments and you start bragging about all the things that are wrong with you. <laughs> and you kind of compare with, I had a buddy call me the other day, cowboy shooting buddy, lives in another town in Arkansas. He says, what'd you do to your finger, your thumb, brother Will? What What happened? So I told him, and, and uh, we had a little conversation about it, and then, then he told me all the things that were going on in his life, and he was about to have a, a complete knee replacement, and he had had stomach surgery, and blah, blah. Don't matter how bad you think you got it, somebody's got it worse, you know? And, and I look in the mirror some mornings, and I think, my lens, I'm falling apart. I don't, I don't need to go to all these specialists. I just need a good veterinarian doctor. <laughs> they can fix everything. It, Anyway, you know what I'm doing? I'm bragging about all my ailments. Huh? Our outward man is perishing. But you know what? At the same time, the spirit man, the soul, our relationship with Jesus is getting stronger every day. At least that's the way it should be. Amen? For our light affliction, the problems that we have on the outside, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which we can't see. 
For the things which are seen are just temporary. This life is temporary. Your little problem is temporary. But the things that we can't see, those things are eternal. And that's what really matters in life. So the correct response to the problems you're going through, not only this year but next year, is to look past the pain of the problem and see the purpose of God. Romans chapter 8 tells us, if God is for us, who can be against us? So you know what? It really doesn't matter what the future brings. It doesn't matter because I have a hope. And my hope has a name. Jesus Christ. He's our hope. Not the future. Not the government. Not society. Not even my family. No, my hope has a name. Jesus Christ. If God be for me, who can be against me? And let me add to that, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That's the hope of this new year and the rest of your life. God is in control. My plans have a limit, but I don't care. God's in control. My problems have a purpose, and I know God is going to handle them. God's going to see me through. And number three, because God is in control, my prayers matter. And so do yours. Your prayers have an impact. They're not just a waste of time. Prayer really makes a difference. Have you ever wondered, does prayer really work? I tell you, there have been a few times I've been on my knees praying and something whispers into my ear and, say, and says to me, well, you're just wasting your time, dude. This, this prayer stuff doesn't work. I mean, there's not, there's not really a God, and even if there were a God, he wouldn't care what you're going through. He's, nobody's listening to you. Your prayers aren't even making it up to the ceiling, dude. It's just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. Prayer doesn't really matter. It's a waste of time. Have you ever heard that in your ear? I tell you, it's the devil. It's Satan. Why in the world would Satan even be saying that to you? Well, it's because Satan knows the power of prayer. And he doesn't want you praying. The truth is, prayer works because God is in control. If God were not in control, prayer would simply be a waste of time. But because God is in control, God can control the uncontrollable. You don't have to know the key men if you know the man who has the keys. Well, I thought that was better than that, guys. Come on, man. Look at it like this. Your boss is not your ultimate authority in life. Come on, say it, Angie. You said it first service. Amen. Your boss is not the ultimate authority. <coughs> you have a higher authority, <coughs> don't you? And he can be leveraged. He can do things that you never thought were possible. Prayers have an impact because God is in control. That's the basis of all miracles. God's sovereignty. God can overrule nature. God can overrule governments. God can overrule human law. He can do anything he wants to do because he's God. How do we know that? Well, again, because the Bible tells us. Two verses you need to understand. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 is the first. Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask for or think according to the power that works in us. And what power is working in us? It's the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. The same power that rose Jesus out of the grave and from the dead is working in us. And when we tap into that power, God can do things that will blow your mind. Look at this verse, 1 John 5.14. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask, what's that word? According to his will, he hears us. Now guys, i got to tell you, that, that is an awesome promise. The point is, prayer can do whatever God can do. I'm saying these little things here, you got to catch on to them. Prayer can do anything God can do. 
So why don't we take more advantage of prayer? It's not just mumbo-jumbo. It's tapping into the resources of the entire universe, God's power. Did you know over 20 times in the New Testament, we are told to ask? Ask, seek, knock. God says, I want you to ask. Yes, I am in charge. I'm on the throne of the universe. I am in control. You ask and I will show you great and mighty things like you've never seen before. You ask and I'll blow your mind. Prayer has an impact. Now some of you are sitting there thinking, well, since God is in control and he can do anything and he's told me to pray, why don't I get everything I ask for? You ever wondered that? I mean, if prayer really works, why don't I get everything I ask for? Well, there are several reasons. I'm just going to mention a couple of them to you. Number one, God's not a genie. You don't and get anything you want. What if, what if everything you've ever asked for really was given to you? Just think about that for a second. Do you realize what a mess this world would be in? If just you got everything you asked for? You're not agreeing with me. I mean, really, if God answered every prayer that you asked, it would ruin you. Because you couldn't handle that power. There are a lot of things I've asked for that God never gave me, or maybe he gave me, but it was later in life. And I look back on it and I say, you know, I understand now why God didn't give me that back then. Back then, I couldn't have handled it. God knows best. He's not a genie. Number two, oftentimes there are competing prayers. Because believe it or not, Christians pray in conflict with one another. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, at 540 this afternoon, <clears throat> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to take on the New Orleans Saints. But nobody's talking about the competition between the Buccaneers and the Saints. You know what they're talking about? Brady and Breeze. These two great future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Forget the teams. This, this is a competition between Brady and Breeze. Which one of the old men are going to do it one more time and lead their team to a victory? And you know what? Believe it or not, there are a few Christians who are Buccaneer fans. And there are a couple of Christians who are saint fans. And you know what? They're going to have conflicting prayers at 540 this afternoon. <laughs> Which one does God answer? It's the same day. It's the same place. It's the same time. And you've got two different people praying conflicting prayers. One of them is praying for it to rain. The other is praying for it to be a sunny day. Conflicting prayers. Grandmother's been suffering for months. She, she's on her deathbed. There is one child praying for a miraculous healing, and there's another child praying that God would be gracious and go ahead and take mama on home because she's ready to go. Those are conflicting prayers. Which one does God answer? It reminds me of the preacher who is out in the woods on a Saturday thinking about his sermon just walking through the woods and all of a sudden he's attacked by a mama bear. And this bear takes a hold of him and is about to rip him open and eat him. And so the preacher cries out, God, make this bear a Christian bear. <laughs> and so the bear drops the man, puts its bottom foot on the man's chest, crosses its paws and says, Lord, please bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. <laughs> Conflicting prayers. But you know what? The bottom line is this. Prayer works. And you need to be praying according to God's will. Now, I'm going to wrap all of this up and, and, and share with you in a very practical way what this means. Let's go back and talk about our plans for a second. 
Do you include God in your plans? Your plans are going to have a limit. So why don't we include God in our plans? Because God knows what's best for us. And that means making this decision today if you've not made this decision. And that is to serve Jesus Christ. There, there's someone in this room or someone watching online that, you know, you've been thinking about this for a long time and you keep saying to yourself, one of these days I'm going to give my life to Jesus. One of these days I'm going to accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. One of these days I'm going to start trusting God. Whenever the time is right, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. You know, you know what that is? It's being presumptuous. Because you don't know if you're going to have another day to give your life to Jesus. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Jesus wants to save you today. And while you have a chance to be saved, you need to give your life to Jesus and turn your plans over to him. I preached this a couple of weeks ago, and, and I believe it so much. Every day you need to have a plan for that day. And you need to wake up and you need to pray about your plans, but you also need to acknowledge God's will. God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, I'm going to submit my plans to yours. And if you want to interrupt my plans for some divine appointment you have for me today, go ahead and do it, Lord. Because your plans are better than my plans. So submit your plans to the Lord. You agree with what that is? That's surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's giving Jesus complete control over your life. What about your problems? Do you look for God's purpose in your problems, or do you just throw a pity party? Instead of asking, why me? Why don't you start praying, Lord, what are you teaching me in this? What do I need to be learning in this? And maybe you, you won't actually see God's purpose at this point. That's going to come later. But you know what? You can still trust God. Look at it like this. Every one of us have problems. You need to understand and see those problems for what they are. If you're a believer, God is using that problem to strengthen your relationship with him and to bring you up on a new level of trust and confidence in God. You're growing. You're maturing. You don't grow and mature and get stronger in your faith when everything is hunky-dory, peachy, keen in your life. You don't grow in your relationship with Jesus when you're going downhill and the wind's behind your back. You grow through problems. You grow through difficulties. It's, it's like building muscle, Brent. You, you grow when you lift weights and those muscles are torn apart and they, they grow back stronger. That's the way we grow in our relationship with Jesus. God uses crises in our life and problems in our life and tough people that we have to deal with to help us to grow. So they're like tests. When you were in school, did you like tests? I hated tests. But here's the deal. In these tests, if you don't pass the test, you get to take it over again. And over and over. And I know people, Jason, I know people who've been taking the same cotton-picking test for 50 years. And they keep flunking it. So they can't move on to something bigger and greater in their relationship with God. They're stuck right here with this problem, and they're just throwing a pity party. Dude, you're going to have problems. Don't look at them as problems. Look at them as God's way of making you stronger and better. Hmm. What about your prayers? Do you take advantage of the privilege that you have of praying? It's there. That, that power is there. We just need to use it. So instead of complaining about your boss or your job, why don't you pray about it? Instead of worrying about your kids and your family, why don't you pray about it? Instead of worrying about your finances, why don't you pray about your finances? You know what? You're going to have a whole lot less to worry about. Instead of giving up on your family or your marriage, why don't you pray about it? 
The things that are beyond your control are not beyond God's control. And since God is in control, then what's the best way we enter into 2021? It's by acknowledging his control over my life. I don't fight it. I don't resist it. I don't run from it. I accept it. I cooperate with it. I'm grateful for it. I enjoy the blessings of it. I thank God for it. In his control, nothing can devastate me. Nothing that happens in the next 348 days can devastate you if you are trusting in the God who is in control. So let him control the uncontrollable. And why don't you just stop worrying about it? Some of you worry about everything. You worry about your business all the time. You worry about your finances all the time. You worry about losing your kids all the time. You worry about getting sick. You worry about COVID. You worry about dying all the time. But you know what? You can't control that stuff. Just like we couldn't control this pandemic last year. You you can't control it. In fact, I did, since I knew I was going to preach this, I did a little test, and I made a list this past week of all the things that, that I was worried about. It wasn't a little list. You know what my conclusion was? I couldn't control any of those things. Ultimately, none of those things were controllable. The things that I worry about, I really couldn't control. The, the biggest thing we worry about is death. You know what? You have no control over that. Your days are appointed unto you. You know who can control it? God. So why don't we just trust him? And you can enter into this new year with peace and with confidence and with hope because you're trusting the one who sits on the throne of the universe and you're trusting the one who is in control. I'm going to ask that you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're watching online, you can do the same thing. And we're going to have a moment of commitment. Maybe this morning God has spoken to your heart and you need to give your life to Jesus. You can do that. It's just a simple prayer that you confess your sins and ask Jesus to come into your heart. So pray that prayer and invite Jesus into your life. If you're a believer, maybe the prayer this morning is, Lord, I want to just totally surrender my life into your hands. I have no control over what happens this new year, but you have control over it. So, Lord, I'm, I'm going to quit praying, bless what I'm doing, and I'm going to start praying, Lord, may I, may I be a part of what you're blessing. I just want to be on your team, Lord, so I surrender everything to you. Heavenly Father, help us to do that. Help us to understand the sovereignty of God, that you are in control of all things And dear Lord, I pray that you would control our lives. Lead us, guide us, use us as you best see fit. Help us to surrender to your will in our life. Lord, for those of us in this room who have struggled over these past eight, nine, ten months with worry, constant stress and worry, help us to realize you've got this, that you are in control. I pray, dear Lord, that we would just surrender our lives to you. Bless our life, our families. Bless this church and what you're doing in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And you can be seated just for a second. I want to share, I want to share with you a few announcements. Uh, the three big things is give, go, and pray, all right? Give. When you walk out the door, we got the black boxes. You can give your tithe and offering. You can also give online or you can send your, your offering in through the mail. Um, We would appreciate that. Also, you're going to be hearing more about this, but we actually have a new address for our church, all right? Uh, Since we're kind of moving our new sanctuary out here, our new address is going to be on Briarcliff. It's 2828 Briarcliff. We even have a little mailbox out there. The school, our daycare, is going to continue to use 2825 Grinnell. You know what we do? We just own this block, okay? (laughs) We're operating on this block right here. Uh, that information is going to be coming to you. Don't freak out about it right now, but uh, that's, that's what's happening in the future. Number two, go. Go out this week and tell somebody about Jesus. 
Invite somebody to church. So give, go, and then number three, pray. We've got a lot of people in our church who need prayer. We have a, a weekly prayer list that's sent out. If you'd like to have that prayer list sent to you, ask Miss Fran. Uh, she'll get you on the prayer list, and uh, you'll be able to see that and pray for the people in our church who need to be touched by God. So give, go, and pray. 6.30 tonight, we're going to have adult Bible study through Facebook Live. Brother Nathan is going to be teaching that. You're saying, well, where is Brother Nathan? He's back teaching kids' church. Brother Johnny and Miss Gail are in Nashville. And so he's uh, doing double duty today with kids and also will teach a adult Bible study. Then Wednesday at 7 p.m., we're going to have service both in person and online. Also, Financial Peace Online begins this Wednesday night. There's still time for you to sign up. You can do that in the Welcome Center or online. So here we go. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to mask up. We're going to give, go, and pray. All right? God bless you. Have a great week. We will see you on Wednesday.